Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. The reason why people think hiring is really hard is because interviews are conducted without a defined set of criteria to which a person is being evaluated. This especially rings true when interviewing outside your personal competency level, most often when hiring a CMO or a CRO. In order for any interview to be effective, there has to be two components by which a person is being judged, skills and value alignment. Now, focusing only on skills may solve your immediate problem, but it often creates more problems because it disrupts your culture. What I've learned is that culture is driven by value alignment. So understanding how a person aligns with your values in an interview is the most important criteria that needs to be evaluated to make a strong hire. Hi, I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest people by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest, Mr. Matt Bloomberg. Matt is a technology entrepreneur, business builder, and CEO of Bolster, which is an on-demand executive talent marketplace that helps accelerate companies' growth by connecting them with highly experienced, vetted executives. Matt has been recognized as one of New York's 100 most influential technology leaders by Business Insider, by Cranes as one of New York's top entrepreneurs, and by Ernst & Young as Entrepreneur of the Year finalist. Before Bolster, Matt built businesses and worked in marketing, consulting, and venture capital. He is the author of Startup CEO, Startup CXO, and Startup Boards, which released in June of 2022, which is what makes Matt the perfect expert for today's topic. Matt, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hey, Rick. Thanks. Great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about hiring a CMO. We haven't really done that very much on this show. And I think specifically sales and marketing hires tend to be the ones that I hear the most complaints about. Would you agree? That does not surprise me at all. And uh, I, I will just say, although I think I'm qual very qualified to talk about this topic of hiring a CMO, there are a lot of people that are listening to this right now thinking, laughing that uh, that I am here talking about hiring a CMO only because <laughs> I've hired too many of them because so many of them did not work out. Yeah, but you're getting it right. Exactly. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> I have that same theory about people who interview really well because they get a lot of practice doing it. I've seen a lot of people that interview terribly that are just fantastic, phenomenal people. They're really good at what they do, but they're just not used to interviewing. Let's start out with the hiring story. You shared with me before we did the show, kind of a funny scenario. So let's talk about that with the audience. Yeah, so this is not specific to, to CMOs, but this was um, sort of early in my, uh, in my career as a CEO. Um, I really struggled with uh, the thing you talked about in your opening, in your intro, which is getting the balance right of kind of that values-driven cultural fit and kind of the right experience, the right technical experience for the job. And, you know, certainly early in my career, I, I felt like that process of hiring executives was a little bit like the process of dating people in college. Like you would <laughs> date someone and it wouldn't go well and it would end. And, and like the next person you dated was the exact opposite of that person. And eventually you sort of titrate to the to the right spot, but it, it, it can take you a while. And uh, I, you know, I had this experience um, sort of early on at Return Path of hiring, really over-indexing on values, fit, and culture, which is obviously very important, right? You don't want to bring an executive into your organization that 
that is antithetical to your culture that doesn't hold the same values you do. But I kind of went overboard on that for a while. And I hired this one guy to be a, a C-level executive. I'm not, not even going to tell you the role or the name or anything, but I hired someone to be a C-level executive who was such a, I mean, it's just a tremendous cultural fit, but, uh, and, and kind of had the resume for the job. What wasn't, it wasn't way off, but we had a business practice of doing a 90 day 360 review of, of any new executive and using that as kind of a flashpoint for like, is this the right person? Is this not the right person? And we did this 360 and uh, it was the, the whole executive team was in the room and we had a coach that was moderating the 360. And, you know, you start by saying, hey, let's talk about this person's strengths. And every single person around the room only had one thing to say, which was, he is just such a nice guy. But that's not really what you want to hear about your new senior executive. <laughs> like, wow, is he a really nice guy? Nothing else. Nice Nothing else. <laughs> so that was the end of him. That takes you back to that dating scenario. You don't want to be the right. nice guy when you're dating either. Because right. then right. you're stuck in the friend zone. Exactly. So. Unfortunately, so that I overcorrected on my next hire. So my next executive hire, which was actually for a different role by the time I, I, I got to it, I was like, all right, well, you know, the cultural, the, you know, we'll make sure the values and culture are close enough, but we're really going to over-index on exactly the right experience set. And I ended up with a guy that could not have been more of a misfit for the culture. We had a very, very, uh, you know, sort of friendly, people-centric culture, and you know, we brought this guy in and he was getting shit done. I mean, he would like the, the, the functional skills were off the charts, but he was insulting people every time he opened his mouth. And I never forget the thing that, that threw everyone like into shock was he was having a conversation with one of the most junior people in the office is really, really nice um, guy who's, who's uh, ethnically uh, Indian. And he kept calling him Vishnu, which was not his name. It was not even close to his name. Right. It was like the only thing he'd come up with, like, hey, you, Vishnu, come here. And so he also didn't make it past 90 days, but for kind of the opposite reason. Yeah. Uh, you know, so technically competent, but. You just relived your whole dating scenario in college. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I feel like as my career progressed, I got a little bit better at finding the right balance between the two things. Let's talk a little bit about the challenge, because we're going to cover basically yeah. the challenge with hiring a CMO. And then you're going to share with us your playbook on how you're being able to get past that hiring issue that you have and get to a point where you're flourishing as a company. What was the challenge? So the challenge was <laughs> I had the job I had before I started my first company was running marketing and product management at a technology and media company. So and you I, have a marketing background. So I kind of had a marketing background. I'm more like homegrown than like business school taught, but, but I had been a, a effectively a chief marketing officer. The experience that we had at, um, at my previous company with marketing leaders was just miserable. Like, if you read the Harry Potter books, there's that one character, the professor of the defense against the dark <laughs> arts, who every year in Harry Potter, there's another professor in that slot because something terrible happened to the other one. Like, they got blown up, they got accursed, they died. They There used to be a joke at my company about about, oh yeah, you don't, I don't think you want to take that job because that's the you know, defense <laughs> against the dark arts job. So we really, really struggled with uh, the CMO role. And I mean, we were averaging like one a year, which is not that far off. If you look up the, the research on it, the average CMO tenure in America is, is under two years. You know, it's something like 18 months. So it's clearly a tough job to hire for. And I think it's tough for, for a couple of reasons. One is that, um, and probably the biggest one is that 
the marketing function has really uh, splintered over over the course of um, of many many years. And if you were in marketing in the '90s or the '80s, either you were a brand marketer or a direct marketer, at, and your company relied on one of those two things. And if you were a brand marketer, you had to be good at strategy and hiring an agency to go do all your creative and place it on TV, radio, print, and outdoor. If you were a direct marketer, you were a nerd and you had to be really good at quant stuff and figuring out how to orchestrate direct mail and telemarketing. And like that was it. And not to oversimplify, right? But now it's that, completely changed. Right? Now it's completely changed. It's and if you, if you walk your way, you know, decade by decade. And now you have to be good at everything. Running if you're a CMO, yeah. If you're the CMO, you have to be able to run all the brand stuff all the direct stuff, but by the way, each one of those is now 4,000 things, right? The, the proliferation of channels and techniques in marketing has made marketing a much more complex job than, than it used to be. I have this conversation with a lot of CEOs too. Somehow the focus is on growth marketing, right? And how it ties to revenue. That's where it becomes tricky because a lot of CMOs don't really tie, maybe they might be more strategy focused, but they don't really tie that much to revenue. That is one of the many challenges you find. I was terrible at hiring CMOs until I wasn't. And the um, I, ironically, one of the biggest lessons I learned came from the CMO that I had sort of before I feel like we got it right. Although he was he was like the transitional one between not getting it right and getting it right. And he was obsessed with growth marketing and who, who doesn't want to hear that when they're a CEO, right? And the problem that he had that he brought to the table was he brought a playbook to the table from his previous job and convinced me that, uh, you know, that he had the answers. And the problem is no two companies are the same company. And, you know, your playbook one place might kind of work somewhere else, but it's unlikely to work as written. And he sort of came in with this mentality as a growth marketer of, hey, I'm going to overspend and overdeliver because that's my thing. And it didn't work because he was applying someone else's playbook. And I remember the day that I realized like, uh-oh, like this is a problem, which, you know, he came in and I, for ballpark numbers, he came in and the marketing department was 15 people. And I gave, I was going to give him a license, right? He was going to deliver growth. So he shows up two weeks later with his future org chart that he wants to hire into with 45 people on it for marketing. And I was like, all right, you know, I get that we're underdoing it today, but you know, we don't really have to go all the way to 45 people from, from 15 or 20, do we? So I was like, well, walk me through this org chart. You know, tell me, tell me, tell me who everyone is on here. And he gets to one box and I can't remember what, what the box was, but, um, but it had some kind of nebulous title on it. I said, well, like, well, what is that? What is that job? And he literally couldn't answer the question. He was like, I can't remember what that person did at his last job in his last playbook. So I was like, all right, maybe we don't go all the way to the 45 people. Why don't we start by adding, you know, five or 10 or 15 and doubling what we have now? Anyway, it's a tough, tough job. And, and, I, and, and I struggled with it for 15 of the 20 years running that company until I think we kind of landed on a, a, a formula that worked. That kind of brings to mind a couple of things. One of the things I think we run into are positioning problems with that. We need a CMO or we need somebody so desperately that we go after the skills or we go after the culture, but we're really not going after the person that's positioned right for organization too. We talked before about CEO wants somebody who's run something out of somebody else's company and they've already done it. So they just want them to do it again. Not realistic. Right. 
You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources and a link to order your copy of Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your guide to landing the strongest talent. Our guest today is Matt Bloomberg. He's the co-founder and CEO of Bolster. And we're talking a little bit about hiring a CMO. So we just talked a little bit about the challenges that he experienced, which I'm sure some of you can relate with. And now we're going to talk about how you solve the problems. How did you conquer this issue? It's sort of this series of like three aha moments that I had around this particular problem. And this comes back a little bit to, you know, to some of the things you said before about like is marketing strategy or is marketing tactics and, and how do you think about that? So, so I had these three aha moments that, that kind of built this playbook for me. The first aha moment was that marketing suffers from what I call the French fry problem. The French fry problem is that you can always eat one more French fry. Like you're never too full to eat one more French fry. You're too full to order another order of fries. But if someone puts one more fry in front of you, like if there's one fry left on your plate, you're never too full to eat that fry. So marketing suffers from the French fry problem because marketing can be a never ending laundry list of tactics. Right. There's always one more blog post to write. There's always one more keyword to buy. There's always one more web page that needs sprucing up. There's always one more this. There's always one more that. And if you let your uh, marketing department become the French fry department, you might as well not have a CMO. Like you might as well have that just report somewhere else in the organization as a service center. So the kind of definitional change that we tried to make was moving marketing. My COO said at the time, moving it from the tail to the nose. And what he meant by that is that marketing really is, is strategy, right? Marketing at the end of the day is what's your brand? What's your positioning? What are your key messaging points? And how do you get them across to the intended buyer of your product? You know, when marketing is the list of tactics, tactics get done, but kind of in a vacuum. And when marketing starts with the right strategy, right? Who are we? Who are we trying to reach? And how are we going to reach them? Then you're off on the right foot. And then it becomes the baked potato problem. Well, the, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to eat anymore, right? The thing you still have to do is you still have to figure out how to make room for some French fries. Um, and you have to um, basically teach the organization how to make its own French fries. Like the marketing department can write all the blog posts or the marketing department can put out a calendar and have other people write blog posts and then like do some editing on them as yeah. an example, right? Mar marketing could create every slide deck or marketing could create a whole bunch of templates and, you know, and samples and have other people sort of do their own work. Yeah. Um, so you have to make room for some French fries, but it's really about that strategic mindset shift from marketing at the, at the nose, not at the tail. So that was the first aha. Okay. So you're uh, shifting the strategy first. Strategy first. The second realization <clears throat> to get back to, back to our prior topic is that no one person is the master of everything in marketing. There are too many channels. There are too many tactics. Marketing itself is, you know, a mix of product focused marketing, demand gen, branding, advertising, marketing ops, you know, I mean, you come up with the list of functions The looking for the CMO that has mastered all of them is a waste of time. So that was a really important realization that I was not actually looking for a jack of all trades, but that what I was looking for was someone who knew how to build a marketing machine 
where the machine could do all of those things, but the person didn't have to be able to do all of those things him or herself. They just had to know enough enough about everything to manage everything properly. You said a key word there, a builder, right? Like you need somebody who can build something. Build and or and orchestrate. And that kind of gets to my third aha, which was that the the biggest aha was that was that what we needed to do was really build a marketing machine and build a leadership pipeline in that machine that could actually grow CMOs. So walk me through what that means. Yeah. So what that means, first of all, that that you know, when the person at the at the top of the pyramid at any point in time, that that CMO has to be a good leader, a good orchestrator, and has to be intellectually curious, right? They can't say, oh, I'm a demand gen person, so I'm just going to build a demand gen oriented marketing department. And I'm not going to worry about the rest of the stuff because demand gen's always worked for me. Marketing is orchestration of lots of pieces and parts. So you have to have someone at the top of it who knows enough about the pieces and parts to orchestrate and is intellectually curious about them. The second thing you have to do is, is build a culture of leadership development um, and to some extent a culture of cross-training so that the next level down from your CMO, right, the person that's focused on brand and digital, the person that's focused on product marketing, the person that's focused on um, demand gen, the person that's focused on whatever subfunction is getting enough exposure to the whole machine and enough development and grooming as a professional and as a leader that one of them becomes the obvious choice for the next person in the role. And so on, like the third layer down, you have to have people that you're grooming for the next layer up. Um, By the way, and that is the key to retention these days too. I mean, like really, if you want to keep people at your company, do that. It's not that difficult to do. I mean, it just requires that you pay attention to it as the leader and really drive that, that focus. But that's absolutely right. So, you know, if you, if you think about like the, the, I, the visual that I have, and I have a slide on this somewhere, but the transformation that, that we went through as an organization and hiring CMOs was one from the CMO being at the bottom of the pyramid, like holding up the pyramid, like, oh my God, what if the whole thing falls over to the very stable pyramid, not the inverted one, the very stable pyramid with the CMO on top and the CMO leaves and you put another CMO on the very stable pyramid. That's a great image. That's critical to also hiring too, because look, if you can show that we have a growth path here and we can help you get to where it is that you're looking to go, you're going to start here. But like we're a culture that fosters growth. That's what most people are looking for today. That's what I run into probably 85% of the time when I'm talking to potential candidates for opportunities. It's always like, well, in order for me to grow here, somebody's got to die above me. That sort of thing. Nobody wants to feel like they have no place to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, there, I think there are a couple ways to there are a couple ways to think about that. You know, one is that you're investing in in people's growth and development, and you know, have, you have good vertical movement in an organization, and uh, you know, there, there's good future for people. The other thing I've always thought, as time has marched on, that the notion of the notion of career as a ladder has changed. Right. So it used to literally be like the person above you has to get fired, quit or die. And then you can move up a rung on the ladder if you're like the best person for it. And I think the ladder has given way to the jungle gym. Um, so the next step in your career need not be the one above you. It might be one off to the side. Now, it has to be something you can reach from where you are. You're unlikely to go from writing code to writing copy, although I don't know, maybe you can. But, you know, the organizations that I've always run have really focused on moving people around um, as their interests change and as the skills they want to um, build 
uh, as that list changes. So product yeah. managers become engineers and engineers become product managers and people in marketing move into sales and people in sales move into customer success. And you can really build um, a tremendous base of skills as an early career, mid-career person by thinking about your career as a jungle gym instead of a ladder. That is so very true. And you have to look at it that way, especially when you're a startup, because quite frankly, like you're flat anyway. You're a flat organization for the most part. You're definitely right that the ladder needs to go sideways as opposed to uh, up. Well, well, we're getting pretty close on time, Matt. What would be two or three key takeaways you give the audience that can plug into the business today? You know, one I think is really making sure that you find that right balance between culture and values fit and uh, and technical competency, and that you don't cave on one in service of the other. Like they're both important. If you want, particularly hiring senior people, they're just both important. And uh, you know, if I had a second one, I think it is the last thing we talked about that concept of uh, you know helping your people ar- architect their own career. Um, as if it's a jungle gym and not a ladder. And it's just a great way to retain people. It's a great way to bring expertise and fresh thinking across your organization. Yeah, and get people to join your company. The truth is most people are hiring because I have a need. You need to fill it for me and get this job done and don't talk to me. Just go do the work. And nobody wants that today. Everybody wants something that can really delve into the work that they want to do. That's why we're seeing so much pushback and so many people firing their bosses. That's right. So very true. Matt, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you, find your book, all that good stuff? My email is matt at bolster.com. The, uh, my blog is startupceo.com. Uh, there are links to all the books there. Um, and uh, those are the best ways to find me. We'll have uh, all that linked in the show notes as well. So I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team. Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this shows for you. And we want to continue to bring you valuable content week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be William Glass. William is the co-founder and CEO of Ostrich. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard. Gerard.